everyone. I'm Susie Sevier. And I'm Michael Barnhart. Welcome to the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor podcast, where we interview industry experts and chat with them about their passions and how they're leveraging real estate investing to create an impact in their world. What impact do you want to make? Did you know there are almost 8 billion people on this planet? What if each of us started with ourselves, with our family, in our community? All we have to do is start with a manageable 1% action every day. The effect of those billions of 1% gestures would be astronomical. This is your place to reflect and believe. Join us every week to start cultivating those ideas on the impact that you want to make in your world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor. I'm Susie. And I'm Michael. We're excited you joined us for this adventure. So today's very special guest is Dave Dubow. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's have an adventure, you guys. I'm up for it. Yay, we're super excited. <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. So it's great getting to know you, Let, but let's share with our adventurous family a little bit more about your background and why you started investing in real estate, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, I've been I've been investing in real estate one way or the other since 2001-ish, give or take. And believe it or not, you guys, I started investing in real estate in San Jose, Costa Rica, where oh, I actually cool. lived. Yeah, I, I lived overseas like you guys are right now. I, I lived overseas for almost 14 years, the last 10 of which were in San Jose, Costa Rica. Got married, had kids, had my own language training company there, language school. And kind of stumbled into doing a couple of what I guess we would call pre-foreclosure type deals mm. while I was down there. And they worked out okay. And in 2003, I packed up and dragged my poor Costa Rican family kicking and screaming from the topical paradise of Costa Rica up to the frozen hinterlands of Canada and started all over again from scratch. I'm originally from Canada, from British Columbia. And Canadians especially always ask me, Dave... Tropical paradise, living the good life, living maids, gardeners, nice place, all that kind of stuff. Frozen hinterlands of Canada. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why too. Yeah, you want to know why. Well, here's why. Here's why. Because our kids were getting to be towards school age, and we just thought it would be a better place for them to grow up and go to school in Canada. Costa Rica is wonderful, but being a pasty-faced white guy like I am, whether you have lots of money or not, people assume that you do. There's a bit of a target on your back, on your family's back. And a few people I know actually got kidnapped and held for ransom. Mm. Not very common, but a lot more common than in Canada. So wow. we just thought, hey, kids are getting towards school age. Let's go back to Canada. Let's go to Canada and go back for me and raise them there. So that's what we did. But then there was the big challenge of, okay, now what do I do, right? I had my own business for quite some time, so it was pretty much unemployable. I had not been able to sell that business, so I didn't have very much money. I'd been gone from Canada for so long. I didn't have bad credit. I had zero credit. And there I was trying to figure out, okay, what do we do to make a buck? And that's when I saw one of those late night infomercials that said yes. something along like, you too can get rich in real estate with little or no money down. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I got. Little or no money. <laughs> that's <laughs> what this is all about. So I sent away for a an American real estate gurus course and got that was so long ago you guys it was binders and cds and maybe even a vhs cassette or two that makes my heart yeah. happy <laughs> got this got this big box of stuff and unwrapped it and went to work and my first little kick of the can was doing 18 creative deals in 18 months which may oh. or may not sound impressive those were not multi-family those were not big deals they were little single family homes a few of them were crappy little mobile homes a few of them were really good ones as well, but I, I got I got my feet wet very, very quickly. And then 
since then, I transitioned, took a little bit of time out of out of real estate, got back into it in 2010, got a, focusing on single family homes with um, doing lease options there. And then more recently got into multifamily investing, kind of like what you guys are doing, but more on the passive side. I mean, I am just amazed, right? Because it's like the amount of effort. So many people think that I don't want to, I don't really, guru is not my favorite word, but I'll use it. Like they think that by going to them, the success will just come, but it is the effort that mm. makes that happen. Like the effort, the time, all of the above. So that is super amazing. But then now that you have transitioned from, you know, single families into multifamilies and JVing, how do you, why do you prefer that over, I guess, anything else? Well, I don't know if I do prefer it over anything else. There's, oh, okay. there's lots of, lots of stuff out there. That's one of the advantages of doing a podcast. You get to interview all sorts of people doing all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. So there's, there's so many different variations of doing things. That's one of the things I love about real estate, but multifamily, I like it a lot especially compared to some of the other stuff that I did, because it's a lot more long-term. We're, we're focusing more on, you know, cash flow, focusing on appreciation, focusing on mortgage pay down. So you're able to take a advantage of a lot more of the profit centers in real estate versus some of the more short-term type deals. So that's, there, there's just way more bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And do you, just curious, do you mostly invest in Canada or Canada and the U.S. or U.S. only? Or At at this point, mostly in Canada, although I am open to investing in the States, just got to make sure that between Uncle Sam and, and Canada Revenue Agency, they don't take too big of a bite out of the out of the profits. Right. Actually, yeah, it has to make sense through exactly. after you pay the IRS or anything like that. Absolutely. <laughs> totally understandable. How is the, the current Canadian market right now? The Canadian market right now is very, very hot. It's quite unaffordable. There's a massive lack of supply when it comes to rentals. So depending on where you buy it, it can be a very good market to get into multifamily. That's for sure. However, it's, it's much more challenging to find the good deal because you got to remember size wise, Canada is as big, if not, it's actually bigger mm -hmm. size wise than the United States. Right. But we have one-tenth the population. So much wider distances to cover with a much smaller population. So we've got one-tenth the opportunities as well. Yeah. Yeah, but not too familiar. And I'm not that familiar. I know several Canadians, but I'm not too familiar with the whole housing market up there. It sounds very similar to the U.S. right now. Low supply, which is increases demand, of course, which also drives up prices. And then luckily for multifamily investors, it also drives up, you know, low supply also drives up. Uh, occupancy, which is, which is great. And are you currently experiencing, so this is being recorded at the end of November, 2022, are you still currently experiencing high interest rates in, in Canada or, or how's the oh, yeah. interest rate market going there? Yeah. The interest rates, just like the States, it's, it's still up there. That's for sure. So, and it's all relative. You guys, you, you guys got involved when interest rates were at an all time low. Yeah. It was great. So actually, <laughs> actually from, from my perspective, interest rates are kind of normal. Now this is this is more of a more of a norm than the the exception. It all depends on when you got into the market. But my goodness, believe it or not, my you want to know what the interest rate was on my first mortgage? I do. Now this was Costa Rica, you guys. It was forty percent, oh. four zero, forty percent wow. interest rate, and that wasn't bad. Wow. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah. So it's 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 all about our perspective. That's for sure. Yeah, that is that is impressive. So. <laughs> 
like when chatting with other people, like who are coming into the space, like who have also just, because the news, I mean, so many people follow the news, which is totally fine, but like it's the news is shows really scary things like, right? Like mm -hmm. interest rates are rising, all these things. How do you explain like, no, this is still a great market. Like, yes, you can say like historically it's great, but like how does, where does the comfort come or how yeah. does it come? Well, it really depends on who you're talking to. So again, yeah, the news is so skewed and that's how they get our attentions by scaring the crap out of us or trying to. It's all about showing people. And again, I'm, I'm going to assume we're talking to someone who's not listening to podcasts, who's not yeah. immersed in real estate like we are. And the whole goal is we just really need to educate people about how money is made in a good real estate deal. So depending on how you count them, I'm aware of eight different profit centers in a multifamily deal, for example. And somebody just pointed out there might be a ninth one as well. So eight or nine different ways that ourselves and our investor partners make money on a deal. So when you walk people through that, when you dumb it down, when you keep it simple, so they don't have to think too hard, and you show them what the big benefits are, of investing in real estate, then that overcomes a lot of those concerns. What's what's going to happen with the interest rates? Oh, no, no, no. Well, if you kind of if you if you're basing your numbers and your projections on current rates, and you can still show people that they're making a really good return on their money, they're making good cash flow. They're they're you got the pay down, you've got appreciation, you've got forced appreciation, you've got all these different de depreciation. You show them all the different ways that they make money on a deal then that allays a lot of the fear. That's been my experience anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, I love this thing. It's like a, con a confused mind says no. And yeah. that's so true. Like just, it's just all about the communication and even like just creating an open, I guess, pathway for individuals to ask more questions. Cause then they, you know, they feel safe and will actually listen and feel like they're being heard. And then in return, they will also want to hear what you have to say. And that's, that's the other thing I've found, you guys, is that even if, even when you're dealing with accredited investors, don't think that you need to sound too smart, right? Because here's, here's the challenge, especially with very well-educated people like yourselves, is you are smart right? <laughs> and you've been immersed in this whole real estate field for a long time and you know the jargon, you know the, the vocabulary, you know the numbers. And you kind of, we tend to assume that everybody else gets it too. But what I find that works really well is if you simplify it, if you speak as if you're showing something to a, an average 13-year-old, that's kind of my rule of thumb, then even if it's an accredited investor, even if somebody who's quite experienced, they appreciate it because it's really easy for them to understand. Does that make sense, you guys? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things we really work hard to do is to simplify the language. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Dave. And and it's just like so. I I was te before coming over here, I was teaching at a university. So you know, I get caught up in my field, biochemistry, like using the jargon and things like that. You know, you are um, one of those smart guys for crying out there. Biochemistry, PhD. No, 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 no. No, but like, you know, speaking to students who aren't familiar yeah. with the, the terminology and language, it's like, you have to find a way to connect with them. You have to find a way 
to explain it in different ways, you know, sometimes it's five or six different ways, depending how difficult this scenario or, you know, what you're trying to explain is. Um, And so, and when you just use the language in your field to somebody who doesn't understand, what ends up happening is they just gloss over and they stop listening. Right. Exactly. And they just like nodding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, well, because here's the thing: yeah. it's nobody likes to feel dumb. Nobody right. likes to feel stupid. And like Susie said, a confused mind says no. A confused mind also just turns off and doesn't like to admit that it's confused. Doesn't like to show somebody else that they're dumb. And and they just basically say, ah, it's too complicated. Whatever. I'll just smile and nod and zone out and go do my own thing. So again, it's in our own best interest to really simplify things. I don't like to say dumb it down, but that's the idea. Simplify it and always remember that your potential investor probably isn't as up to speed on real estate as we are, even if they're very, very successful in their field. So for example, you guys are working with accredited investors. These are you know high income, high net worth individuals, but they're definitely not all real estate investors. You know, you got doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs who are incredible incredibly intelligent in their fields, incredibly talented in their fields, but they don't get it. They don't understand everything to do with real estate. So when you simplify it, bring it down to a reader's digest level, as I like to say, it just makes it so much easier for other folks. Absolutely. Yeah. And just talking to some people we've talked to, like some investors that we talked to are like high net worth individuals, high income earners as well. Like, like you said, they're very intelligent people in their field. Like we've, just talking to investors, we sometimes will just share stories. Yeah. You know, not really talking about numbers and everything like that, but like talking about like stories, right? Like it's success stories that have happened through and through investing, right? Like, and for, you know, Susie and I, people, we attract people who like to travel around the world and, and they are like, well, I, I have to like save up all that money. And then, I, you know, and then I have like two weeks out of the year to take off because I work in a, a U.S. job, you know, like with, you know, two weeks paid vacation. And so we're like, we are living the example, right? Like how to get passive income, but we're also active as well, but how to get passive income and then be able to use that to travel around, do the things you want to do. Oh, well, yeah. And stories are so powerful. They are. I mean, think about it. We grew up with stories as little kids. We love to hear stories. It's just, it's a human condition because for thousands of years, that's how information was, was transferred was via stories. So if you tell good stories, and then the other thing that, that somebody said to me years ago, which is stuck, is at the end of the day, your investor is investing in you and the property is really just the collateral for that investment. The property is just kind of what backs it up. But at the end of the day, they're really investing in that relationship with you. That's that's why stories are really important. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What like made you, cause right, like, so now since you've been in it since 2001, you've gone through beautiful things. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate as well. Thank you for helping me with my words. What has made you like continue and stick it out? Because so many people, I mean, that I've talked to who experience, you know, like one bad thing, whether it's 2008 or whatever reason, like want to exit quickly, right? Like your, you, your soul goes into like panic mode. Yeah. Well, you know what we, I do a few different things around real estate. My primary business these days, the active part of my business isn't really in actively investing in real estate. The, the active part of my business is I work with what I call mom and pop real estate investors, 
and I help them to find their own joint venture partners and investor partners and, and raise capital for their deals. So that's kind of my, my main business these days. It's kind of, for lack of a better term, like a boutique marketing agency. We, sure. we provide done-for-you services around that. And then I kind of dabble in real estate on the side. So my background, a lot of what I've done for years is around marketing. And that's what kind of juices me up. That's what gets me excited. So I've, I've combined marketing and real estate investing in a very specific niche. And that's what I focus on. And then from time to time, I invest passively in real estate as well. Oh, well, then the power of storytelling really does hit with you because it's, it yeah, it it's, I mean, that's a huge part. Well, one huge part of life, two huge part of marketing as well. And it, cause, cause it works in like throughout history, right? Like even when, even when we look back at like hieroglyphics, they're telling a story. You know what I mean? Like, Pictures, yeah. Yeah, it Our goes. Our favorite kind of story is a picture we, book. We can talk about totally. Yeah, Comic books so, or some of us. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously, you you know, you said you're trying to, you work with clients to help them find JV partners and help raise money for deals. Obviously during this, we've kind of touched on this a little bit earlier through our syndication we had earlier this year, we had a difficult time with a lot of investors who are turned off in the current market you know, situation, right? So we, we've kind of touched on it earlier, but I will kind of dive a little bit deeper. Like, are you seeing the same thing? A lot of our investors will are will say, well, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold cash during this time because, you know, I, I wanna see kind of what happens in the next, you know, six, nine, 18 months. And I'm gonna hold on to my cash versus investing it. What do you say to those people you know, are those, are those investors during this? Well, time? here's, here's where I, my philosophy is a little bit different, Michael. I, I really don't try to convince anybody of anything, mm -hmm. right? It's very difficult to convince somebody to change their mind, right? You guys are together. You're, you're a couple, you know, that when, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> sometimes it's a challenge to convince somebody to change their mind about something. So very, very similar with investors. So a couple of, couple of shifts with my mindset around raising capital. Number one, it's not something that you do sporadically. In my opinion, it's something that you need to be doing consistently. So a big problem I see or a challenge I see with a lot of capital raisers is they get a deal on the go and then they hit it hard, right? Raise, 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 communicate, communicate, market, 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 market try to get this deal funded versus getting their investors lined up first and then going and getting the deal. And my experience has been when you've got your investors lined up, ready to go, and then you go find the deal. Number one, it takes so much stress off of you because you know that you've got the capital to back you up and then you can actually get better deals. Now you guys are into bigger, larger syndications, or maybe not in this scenario necessarily. But if you got the capital back you up, you can go in faster, you can negotiate harder, you can close faster. There's a lot of advantages to doing that. So a couple of things with my philosophy. Number one, which comes first, the money of the deal. Always try to have your, your investors lined up first and then go find the deal or at rock bottom minimum, be doing both at the same time. Another, another big idea is if you think you need to raise, let's say a million dollars for a particular deal, Try to have $2 million lined up in letters of expressions of interest, letter of intent, that sort of thing. So when the smoke clears and the flake out factor happens, you still got the capital that you need for that deal. And then the third thing is 
never stop the marketing machine, right? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is when we're working with clients, we have at least one piece of what I call edutaining communication coming out once a week. So the first week of the month is electronic newsletter. Then it's a blog post. Then it's a video log. Then another blog post. And then same thing the next week. So drip, 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 drip. And the communication is not trying to sell any particular deal. The communication is all about providing a little bit of education about what we're up to with real estate investing, hopefully in a slightly entertaining manner without going crazy with the jargon and charts and graphs and data and all that kind of stuff that most people zone out with. Create that curiosity and then get people funneled into having one-on-one conversations. And then on those one-on-one conversations, that's where we're getting people enrolled in our deals. And for me, getting people enrolled means getting them to sign off on an expression of interest, letter of intent, getting them pre-qualified, whatever that looks like for, for you, for your, your situation. And then my whole goal is let's get a bunch of investors. Let's get our investor ducks in a row, a bunch of people who said, yes, when you've got your next deal, I want first dibs. And then when we've got our next opportunity, instead of spraying and praying to our entire list, we're going specific to that one target group, that, that group that's already raised their hand and said, hey, you guys, when you got a deal, I want in. Does yep. that make sense? I don't know if I Absolutely. answered no, the it, question. Yes. <laughs> no, and it's, a, it's it, sometimes with capital raising or just anything in life, right? Like everything that you said and even how you started it, like how like Michael and I are in a relationship, you should do that with every single relationship in your life. You know what I mean? It doesn't just start with like capital raising. If you do it with everyone, like you will see that it does just get easier and easier, even with the people in your life. And so I like that a lot, Definitely. actually. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Dave. We are going to transition now to the Adventurous Four. So you said you're ready for adventure at the beginnings. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm ready for adventure. I told you guys I didn't want to see the questions ahead of time. So we're fly, we're, we're walking the tightrope without a net. Let's do it. We have four more questions that are bringing the adventure out of you today. So the first, <laughs> the first question is, where is one place you wish you traveled to and why? Wow. Yeah, I'm, I love traveling. One place I'd like to travel to, the Philippines. Oh, like that. I do too. Yeah, the Philippines. The reason I want to travel to the Philippines is number one, I've heard amazing things about it. Number two, I have a bunch of people who work with me as virtual assistants and things like that who are based in the Philippines. And they are some of the most amazing, wonderful people in the world. Just absolutely love Filipinos. And I've got one person who's been working with me eight or nine years now. And I've never met them in person. I would love to go meet them in person in the Philippines. No, I love that. I love that a lot, actually, because you can create those relationships, you know, with like your VAs, with your video editor. Michael and I feel the same way. It's like, oh, I really want to meet you in person. <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah, exactly. Our, our second question is, what is one thing on your bucket list and how are you leveraging real estate investing to achieve it? Hmm. And the reason I'm looking over here, you guys, is I've got my vision board up. Ooh. I finally got around to doing one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking, what's one thing on my bucket list? And how, you know what? It, for me right now, travel is really a big part of the bucket list. And we're actually checking th those things off the bucket list. So I'm, I'm so blessed and fortunate that my wife loves traveling. 
and she's very organized. So she actually gets us all booked in and, and we're typically doing two to three fairly big trips a year. Um, so, so, and, and real estate is the reason we're able to do that. That's awesome. Where's the next place you're going? Well, right now in December, heading down to Mexico for four weeks. That's kind of my normal December thing. Then my wife and I are going to Italy at the end of April. I like oh, it. I love it. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. It will sure. be a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> Eat all the pizza. <laughs> Got to try the legit stuff. I haven't been to New York yet, believe it or not. So I've yeah, heard, I've heard in some ways, New York pizza sometimes is even better than the real thing. And I'm Italy. not sure Who either. I've never been to New York as well. So yeah. we'll be there. We're all in the same battle. We're going to start there. We're We're all friends who live there now. So we should hopefully be there soon. <laughs> the third question we have for you, Dave, is. What is one piece of advice for someone who wants to start passively investing in real estate? Mm, yeah, the biggest piece of advice would be to focus on the partner more than the deal. Ooh, focus yeah. on the partner more than the deal. You want to find somebody who's got a good track record, somebody who is consistent, somebody who is reliable, somebody who, and test them a little bit, does what they say they're going to do when they're say they're going to do it. That's way more important than making a few extra points on a deal. 100% couldn't agree with you more. Love it. And then our fourth and final question is, if you had unlimited resources available to you, how would you leave an impact? Mm, that's a really good question. Unlimited resources available to me to leave an impact. I think it would probably have to do something to do with health. So love them or hate them. I do respect what good old, good old Bill Gates is up to with trying to make an impact in the world and, and helping people. I don't care what your opinion is about vaccinations and things like that, but I think what he's doing in that arena is pretty darn impressive. So if, if I had Bill Gatesy type money, I'd probably be doing Bill Gatesy type stuff with that <laughs> along those lines. Right. Can, like yes. You have all the wealth in the world. It doesn't really matter if you don't have your health. Oh. Exactly. Well, and it's about other people's health as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Would you, before we end the show, would you mind sharing with our adventurous family how they can find out more about you? Yeah. So a couple of ways, you guys, I've got a brand new podcast out that's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show for Real Estate Investors. Title should hopefully say it all. So if you're looking to invest in real estate and get started with raising capital, that would be a good one for you. The first nine episodes are kind of like a little mini course on my whole oh. nine-step money partner formula. Or if you want to go directly to my website, it's Money Partner Formula. Dot com. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for joining us today. It has truly been a pleasure. And if you are like looking to raise capital, please, please, please reach out today. Right. We talked about throughout this entire podcast, even how like having like an open safe space is available. So please do that because he's here to answer questions and would be glad to help you. So thank you again, Dave, for joining us. Thanks for having me, you guys. And thanks for being on my show as well. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. So until next time, explore more adventure awaits. Woo! Thank you so much for listening. Before you start your next adventure of the day, please take a moment to reflect on the impact that you want to make. All of our efforts combined are what make the monumental impacts. We can't do it without you. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please head over to iTunes and leave us an honest review with one of the great insights you received from the show today. And if you believe a friend, family member, or colleague would find great value in listening, please share our podcast with them. As always, your support means the world to us. Until next time, explore more. Adventure awaits. Woo!